We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 474, brought to you by DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, and Bet Online. The Yankees stink. They stink. They've been owned by the Rays this year. Just every way you can imagine on the field, obviously, with the beef between the two, the the little skirmish that wasn't really a skirmish, even the manager is owning the other manager. We're going to criticize Kevin Cash because I think he deserves some criticism. But the Rays are acting like the bigger, badder bully. And they're the Rays and the Yankees are the Yankees. It's like down is up. What's going on here? Their their team is better. That's what's going on here. They've been decimated by injuries as well. But their pitching staff is so freaking deep 
Every single person that comes out of that bullpen has some weird little quirky, annoying thing. And then they throw 100 miles an hour. No, 98 and, miles an hour. Come on. It's what? only 98 miles an hour. Sorry. That kid last night who was looked like his, his shoulder was going to fall off in the ninth inning was throwing 99. He was throwing BBs. <sighs> It's uh they they just keep rolling out with with all of these uh these bullpen arms that are just plus arms and the offense continues to hit these guys continue to hit and um it's it's not they're not little like you know I know that they can make contact that's that was the the team that we saw going into the year it was a team that could spray the ball make contact they were going to be hard but they're hitting home runs too they're they're doing all of the things. Well, they came out of the gate on Wednesday night against Montgomery. They came out fired up. And it's it's kind of silly to say in baseball, it's not like football where you can just physically overpower the the opponent when and you don't have to be more skilled. You could just be angrier that day and you could win a matchup and you could win a win a game. Baseball's not like that. But it seemed on Wednesday night that it was like that. The the Rays came out with importance on that game after what happened late on Tuesday night. And they were fired up. They hit two two-run home runs off Montgomery. They were bad pitches. Those were meatball pitches. He hung pitches in the first inning. But once that happens, once those home runs land, that game is over. That's well, it. Well, yeah, prob- it is because of the way that the Yankees offense is going. Um, you know, Morton, we know, is going to be on a, uh, a pitch count, but the, the bullpen... They just haven't given up much at all, and they have read, so many guys. You read the room. You you read the two teams and what's going on in the Rays dugout, and they're acting like their guy just sent the team to the World Series when Brousseau hits a home run, and, and they're talking after the game like they're emotional for him. It was such a big moment for him. They're fired up. Meanwhile, you look over in the Yankees dugout, twiddling their thumbs, nothing, no, no fire, no no fight, soft. Gary Sanchez, that's, that's, that, that Gary Sanchez attitude has taken over. It's it's gone the other way. It's gone the other way. They need to stop it. The Yankees have somehow been infected with Yoai, and I don't <laughs> know how they can get rid of it. Maybe they should just go rogue and bring in Yasiel Puig. Oh boy, I don't know if that's what this. <laughs> let's team just needs. let's just throw a bull in a china cabinet and see what happens. And I'm not the type of of I, I don't think I'm the type of baseball fan to to. You know, I, what I'm trying to say is I, I understand there's more to to baseball than just like emotion. And it's not just all, oh, you got to have better, better fight. You can't be soft. Like I do look at the stats and I understand there's certain things. But like at certain times you need to nut up in a game or in a series. And the Yankees have not been able to nut up against the Rays all season. And it's extremely frustrating. It is extremely frustrating when you're when you're watching them just get beat down. And and yeah, practically bullied in, you know, in their in their own building. I mean, I, it's so weird with no people in the stands too. I got to tell you, losing, it makes it so much worse because the 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 sound coming on the television when you're just like, when you can tell that the team is not really in it and they're they're getting their butts, it just makes it so much worse because there's not, you could hear a pin drop. There's nothing. And All you can just, hear is the other opponent yelling and screaming yeah, in, in excitement. It just feels like depression. That's like it sounds like depression. You know when you're when you're watching uh, the team struggle and there's no, there's no crowd there in the back either. It's just I feel like it it just you know makes it worse. But yeah, no, they got their ass kicked. Glass now was pretty much the best pitcher in baseball. The guy looked unbelievable. Just mowed down the Yankees. Yeah, and, I mean, I mean, the, right. this team is almost getting no hit a couple times against mm-hmm. the Rays. Well, it's deep into the game, 
you're you you bring up a point on glass now that glass now Cole game that could have set the tone for the series and it set the tone in the Rays favor not the Yankees for favor. Sure. you have you have your 324 million dollar ace on the mound he needs to go up there and just shut it down like nope you're not scoring today you're not I'm not giving up a home run to G-man Choi nope but that's what he did and that set the tone for the series the Yankees tried to I guess tried to fight back Chapman tried to to send a message that was in my opinion, intentional. You agree? I, I'm not I saying intentionally throwing at his head, intentionally throwing at Brousseau. He was sending a message to the Rays and to Brousseau. It wasn't a, a, a pitch that was supposed to be in the strike zone and it just got away with uh, it. So I think, I think the pitch was supposed to be, you know, yeah, high and tight and it got away from him a little bit, but um, sure, yeah, I don't think he was intentionally hitting him. I think he was intentionally throwing inside to like knock him back. Fine. But what, but, but, I'll I'll give you that because we saw the Rays do that. I mean, the Rays did it with DJ LeMahieu in the eighth inning on Monday night. Right, they threw a high and tight pitch to him. And again, we've we've talked about this. I have I got no problems with throwing high and tight. Nope, no the problems problem, throwing the, high and tight. The thing is, is when you got a guy like Aroldis Chapman who can be a little erratic going high and tight, you're you're definitely uh, risking more at that point. But you know, it's part of the game. I have. I don't think anybody was headhunting. I don't think the, I don't think Tampa was either. I think that Kevin Cash also plays this game in a way that is a little old school in the sense that he does think those attitudes, the things between the lines, matter. And um, so I, I have a feeling that like you know he's telling his guys to you know don't be don't be afraid to go inside, like pitch inside. We want you to pitch inside. I have a feeling that's probably a conversation that they have in Tampa and. And honestly, it's a good conversation for them to have with Kev- the pitching staff that they have. Kevin Cash knows what is going to get his team fired up <laughs> and what is going to get his team to win the next day against the Yankees. And that's acting like a bully in that Zoom press conference. Like, why do people people are like, oh, Kevin Cash is uh, I hate they're, they're so mad at Kevin Cash and they, and they they were criticizing him for his comments. He's just doing it to fire his team up. Well, there's part of it. I think the other side of it is that yeah, he's he's doing it to fire it up. He's getting he wants to get the reaction for sure. He yes. wants to get the reaction. Does he actually believe Chapman was going inside and high and tight and and trying to hit him? Probably, because yeah. when you're because when when you're in that moment and you're the other team, yeah, of course you think that that other the other team is coming at you in the worst possible way. So but you have was. that narrative built. I but know, but I, but my point is is that I think that you build up that he was going after you. Um, you know, intentionally trying to hit you. Like Kevin Cash is okay. going to believe that and going to and going to go down that 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 you know down that path with his team because that's a good place to be on the opponent side. If you think that they did that on purpose, that's fuel. So Definitely. all of that is just part of it as well. Yeah. Definitely. And I think part of the reason why Cash and the Rays were so pissed off is because it was a Raldis Chapman throwing up and in at a guy's head. If yeah. it was um, Chad Green, who has much better control, and he came up and in, I don't think it would have gotten the same reaction. But like you said, when it's a Raldis Chapman and he's thrown 101 miles an hour, that pitch could be in his eye socket. Yeah. Very, like, that could be a very real possibility with a Raldis Chapman. He wasn't moving quick enough, that's for sure. That, and that- you could see Chapman's reaction, and I tweeted about this. There was a video of uh, just the, the pitch from behind the home plate angle and Chapman didn't have a oh shoot oh crap reaction like I didn't mean to throw it up and in and he took a few steps towards home plate after he threw the pitch now I was I got a ton of people in my mentions saying 
oh, Chapman does that on a ton of pitches where he takes a couple steps to the to home plate. You're right. He does. Whether he hits the batter or he throws a, a dart on the black, he takes a couple steps to home plate. But I still look at his reaction, and to me, that was not a, oh, crap. That was a, well, because the role of Chapman do doesn't give that reaction in any capacity. He's not a, he's not an oh crap guy. First of all, that ball's coming 100 miles an hour. There's not even time to give a reaction in that sense. You throw the pitch, it gets to the backstop. You're watching that in real time. You tell me when you have time to make a reaction when when there's a hundred miles like a, a an oh shit reaction. He no, knows I if mean, he's throwing inside. If that ball's gonna, he he didn't hit him. He but a lot of a lot of pitchers if they come near a guy's head completely accidentally, will have some sort of reaction. As, as, as a, I, I would never to... expect a Rawls Chapman to have that. There's the, okay. He's got well, a personality maybe... where he just wouldn't do that anyway. He could <laughs> yep. drill at him in the ear, and he probably wouldn't have much of a reaction. Maybe you afterwards, may... but... Yep, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And people are, But people also use the argument, oh, he would have brought the tying run to the plate. There's no way he was trying to hit him. Do you think Rawls Chapman gives two craps about bringing the tying run to the plate? No. No, not at all. He is out there. He was sending a message to the Rays. And I don't even have a problem with him sending a message to the Rays, okay? If there's a guy in the bullpen who's going to do it, it's Araldus Chapman, who is intimidating as hell. Somehow he got more intimidating during coronavirus quarantine because he put on like 30 pounds of muscle. The dude is... I'm not coming 10 feet from that guy in a confrontation. He's a massive human being and he's got, he's doing like, you know, jujitsu on, on YouTube or on his Instagram. So he can fight you too. (laughs) You might get a roundhouse to the face. If you charge around this Chapman, you're not even going to be near him. You're going to get kicked in the neck. And he's like, where'd that come from? I can't even see the guy. Yeah, I was expecting you to jack me in the face. And now I got kicked on a roundhouse. (laughs) That was unexpected. Where you have three feet. Where did your third foot come from? The, uh, the, the, the thing is, that's is not that what I was saying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he if he hit him or not in that in that in Neraldus Chapman's head. He was he was backing him off the plate. I believe that definitely. And definitely. you know whatever it's like, whatever happens, happens. What, who said something? Uh, <laughs> someone. Oh yeah, it was um, it was uh, Kirk Cousins about talking about coronavirus. If I die, I die. You know, like if he goes inside. It Kirk goes Cousins inside. Is saying that. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said if coronavirus, someone was asking him about it. He goes, if I die, I die. Oh, man. I can see Aroldis Chapman saying that. If he Kirk dies, Cousins was he the dies. you like that, right? Wasn't he the like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. like that? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's almost like it's it's a it's taken a little bit of a chop from uh from Rocky, you know. If he dies, he dies. The uh the Ivan Drago famous mm. quote. But I can mm-hmm. see Aroldis Chapman, but he has that mentality. Like, I'm throwing the ball, I know where I meant to put it. If it goes there, it goes there. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Let's take a little trip down memory lane with these two teams. Starting in late 2018, when the Rays intentionally hit um, or intentionally threw at Austin Romine. Yeah. And then Sabathia comes back, intentionally throws at uh, the Rays. And that's the that's for you, bitch. To Kevin Cash. Yep. And that's when CC didn't get his uh, little extra bonus. But But then he did. But then the, he did because the Yankees don't didn't treat him like Dylan Batances. <laughs> so so that's 2018, and then even Kevin Cash admitted in his post game conference, yeah, the only time we've intentionally thrown at someone was was three years ago, talking about that 2018 Austin Romine. He didn't specifically say Austin Romine, but we all know that's what he was talking about. Yeah, 2019. You remember the series in Tampa where Lemayhu got hit and thrown at. Or, no, no, no. Uh, it was someone hit a home run and then LeMahieu got thrown at. 
And then LeMahieu hits a home run. And then I believe the next guy gets thrown at something. Something happened like that in, in 2019 in a series in Tampa where it looked very intentional that the Rays were throwing at the Yankees. Yeah, that was and when that, the, the Yankees in 2019 had a much better time in, in Tampa than they had yep. in 18 and then also now in 20. So. so and then now we come fast forward to 2020 and Brasso, which is why I think this is part of the reason why I think Chapman was sending a message. Brousseau hits that home run off Paxton in Tampa, and he's yapping at Paxton as he's coming off the field. And I think that is in the minds of of the Yankees and of the Rays. And then in the eighth inning on Monday night, DJ LeMahieu gets thrown up and in. Tanaka hits Joey Wendell in the first inning on Tuesday. I think that was intentional. You agree? Yeah, it's Tanaka, though. It's like, okay. It's like, a oh, mosquito, I know. It's, like it's like a mosquito bite. It's like an 89 mile an hour fastball. Like, <laughs> ow, ow. Okay. Dude. Like Wendell. Wendell Tanaka, Tanaka will give you the stink face though. He'll, he'll, I mean, he will, he's another guy who will just, he'll, let's go. Right. I but there's, I a, can see Tanaka fighting. I would love to see, I would love to see someone charge Tanaka. I have no idea what would happen. Like I have no idea. So what would happen. I see where your mind is going with that. And I mean, that's a little stereotypical Scott. No, I don't. You I, think he's going to know Kung Fu? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I could see him even going Nolan Ryan, putting someone in a headlock. I could see him going a thousand different directions is what Tanaka's I mean. Tanaka's not putting anyone. No, Nolan Tanaka, Ryan Tanaka is, is old like countryman strength. Tanaka, it feels like it, like an angry dad. He Almost like I could see Tanaka and your father having good conversations, just about very stern, like angry conversations at each other. And it almost might like, be a language barrier. Al- almost like almost like yell talking at each other with like extremely serious faces and then and then taking a shot after every like you know topic i could see that happening. yeah and and again i have no problem with tanaka sending a message and if we want to talk about unwritten rules again he didn't throw at a guy's head he threw at the guy's rib cage area that's where you throw at him you don't hit him in the head you hit him in the body where it's not going to cause irreparable damage tanaka but- can throw his little you know 90 mile an hour change up anywhere he wants so <laughs> But obviously, the Rays took notice to that. Um, and then Chapman throws a pitch up and in in Berceau with two outs in the ninth inning. And that's when everything, the shit hit the fan. Cashman's coming out yelling, they hit they hit uh, us in the first inning. Now, now they're throwing at us again in the ninth inning. What's going on here? Why isn't he getting thrown out of the game? Warnings were issued. Benches clear after after the game. There were no warnings issued for Wednesday's game prior to the game, which I was surprised about. I thought the... MLB would just pour water all over the fire before the game even gets started. Well, I wonder if they had conversations about like the warnings from uh, from, you know, the the previous night. <laughs> just like it was it was just we warned you then for the series, essentially. And like, well, no, but we're not going to tolerate a damn thing when Ben Heller hit. Yeah. Um, and he got ejected. The ump also issued a warning at that time. I mean, Ben Heller did not hit that guy on purpose. I forget who he hit. Was it uh, Renfro? He hit Renfro, right? Yeah, yeah, he hit Renfro. No, I mean that ben, was ben that Heller's was a complete probably, accident. Probably the nicest person in the in the in the clubhouse. Like the most like he's not hitting, and you could tell that the ball got away from him. Well, so you can tell reaction also. Because you can't fake an instant reaction of a, I didn't mean to do that. And that's what Ben Heller's reaction immediately said. Right. Yeah, and uh and yeah, the ejection was completely unwarranted and completely just an overreaction to what was happening in the game and look i know they're trying to control it that's what they were trying to do they 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 didn't want it to get out of hand but when you see the 
they even huddled and then made the decision, which mm-hmm. to me is ridiculous. Well, I like, think, what did you see? Oh yeah, I saw intent. Did you see intent? No. Like, what did you so, see? I think it's ridiculous as well that he got ejected because it was completely non-intentional. But from the umpire's perspective, you you almost have to eject him. You have to. I don't agree with that. Why do you say that? Because when you know who's on the mound and you can see what happened and then you huddle up and you're talking about this, you like you said, in that game, there were no warnings issued yet, right? It doesn't matter if they were, you know, I don't care what they had said to them earlier, like in that particular game with that with that crew, whoever was behind home plate, that w- warning was not sent yet. You're, you're now looking at the guy, Ben Heller, a ball got away from him. You huddle up, clearly asking other people what they saw, you know, and then you you make a decision. It yeah. was you know, look you're you're saying you clearly have to do this. I'm saying you clearly don't have to take the game into your own goddamn hands because now you're yeah. also putting a, a strain on the Yankees bullpen. And Luis Sessa had to come in, pitch extra innings. Maybe Ben Heller would have been in there. Who knows? But my point is, is they made that decision, not the Yankees management. I yeah. I <clears throat> it's just such a. Such a situation where the umps, they, they don't take any chances. And I think especially this year, they're instructed not to take any chances because baseball does not want these face-to-face benches clearing brawls. They're trying to avoid that at all costs. That's why we saw Joe Kelly get eight-game suspension because he incited a benches clearing brawl uh, back with the uh, the Astros and the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see that. They're probably trying to limit that stuff. They're probably told not to do that. Uh, or, or to limit the um, the potential encounters. So if you can uh, take care of it, then take care of it. But also, if you look at this year, why it's so different, there's so many freaking injuries. There are so many guys going down. Every player is is almost a precious commodity because you're getting now into double-A players, essentially. This is exactly what we talked about before the season started. The end of the year was going to be a lot of minor leaguers playing, and that's kind of what's happening. Whether it's, you know, people just not playing or people, you know, getting hurt. And that's what's happening. So they, yeah, and- they there's you just can't afford to lose guys right now for whatever yeah. reason. Kevin Cash's comments, the there are plenty um where he said, I have a whole damn stable of pitchers that can throw ninety eight miles an hour. And then on the Yankees, he said, Poor judgment, poor coaching, poor teaching. It's it's extremely annoying, those comments. But the thing that's more annoying to me is that the Yankees just can't stand up to them and win a damn ball game. Like that's the thing that frustrates me the most. Well, the, got, the, the, the comments worked, kind yeah, of on, that, on their that, end. That Boone, then Boone's uh, Boone's response. Those are pretty scary comments. I don't think that's right at all. I'm not going to get into it right now. Oh, Aaron Boone, did Kevin Cash hurt your feelings? Stand no, up like a man. God damn it. Yeah, the um, I saw Boone's comments and I'm like, oh. Yeah, did you see DJ's comments? That's that's where the t- that that's where the tone should have been set. DJ's like, sounds like they're sounds like they're prepared to hit hit us tomorrow night. We'll be ready. Yeah. I love it's I love like- DJ. DJ had DJ had the you know that big D mentality going into the after he heard that he understood. DJ does not give a rat's. He knows what's happening and. Um, if every single player in that team could just have DJ ment- DJ mentality, then we'd be a different team. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Boone just strikes me as a little soft. Do you remember in 2018, Judge made the backs against the wall comments? We need to treat every game like our backs are against the wall. And then Aaron Boone comes out and says, well, no, that's not really our mentality for a whole 162 season. We have to manage it. We need to play. We need to be smart about that. Like, dude. 
Back up your best player. Back up the face of your franchise. Don't be soft. Yeah, I mean, there were some of those comments, but he also agreed to some of those comments as well, understanding that the the they have to play harder and different at, at every every time. It's not they can't take moments for granted. That was also expressed on his end. But yes, I understand what you're saying. He's very he's very um he caters to the media. He's a, a media guy. So he knows he knows the right things to say and He's been trained to do that, and he says it a lot of times. All, oftentimes, right things, right things to who, though? Because but at the same time, in the moment, a lot of times, Aaron Boone says exactly what's on his goddamn mind. Well, sure, when he the the savages the savages rant, like obviously, plenty that of was, time, plenty of times where he's come out and just expressed his opinions to to whomever on the field. I mean, there are there there are multiple times where he's gone out there and and given it to the umpires. Then he then is uh, you know heads uh, cooler heads prevail. He gets in front of a microphone, different Aaron Boone. Okay, but Kevin Cash threatened the Yankees, which is in turn threatening Aaron Boone, threatening Aaron Boone's team with his comments. I'm not looking for Aaron Boone to come back and and threaten on top of a threat, but stand up a little bit more to the comments and saying those are pretty scary comments. Yeah, fine, uh, that's fair. I, I would like a little backbone in the comments myself. Because, like you said, DJ LeMahieu's comments had backbone. Well, sounds like they're going to hit us tomorrow. We're going to be ready. If if Boone said something like that, we're going to be ready for them tomorrow. We're going to go out there and win a ball game. Right. Done. Period. Leave the leave the dude, drop a period on them, just like Kevin Cash dropped a period on him. Yeah. We're going to go out there the and win a game over. tomorrow. Period. Leave the Zoom room. <laughs> it's also it's all it has so, so ridiculous. Much, it has so much less oomph when it's like <laughs> click. Yeah, I'm hanging up on you, bitch. (laughs) This one's for you, bitch. Hang on. Hold on. Wait, wait. Where's the button? Can't find it. Wait, wait, wait. Am I still on here? I'm on the other screen. uh, My mouse isn't working. I can't get it. It hasn't hung up yet. I think he's frozen. I think he's frozen. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. I mean, look, he needs to to say some things to fire us up. Because uh, at the other other side of things, by the way, is we're all looking for that right now because the team is ass. Because they're the two and eight is, against the Rays. The team is playing like ass, and they're getting their 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 butts kicked by the uh, the other team in the division. So we're also looking for that. If this was the flip the other way, we would be like, eh, he's not reacting because he doesn't need to react because the Tampa of Bay course. Rays are just trying to do something and get under their skin. So good for him not not playing into it. Yep, that's fair. But you know what? <laughs> they're two and eight against. The You're Rays. right. They know. The, I mean, it is what it is. I test. I test says we're getting our asses kicked by this team. Own up to it, man up to it, and and uh, and set a tone. DJ knows. And now the only have Brett they extended Gardner- him yet? Did we extend DJ LeMahieu yet? Has that <laughs> happened? Brett Gardner. What are we doing? If nothing else that we do this year in this freaking stupid year, can we please extend DJ LeMahieu? That's oh, it. Man. I mean, that would be a win. <laughs> so Brett Gardner after the game was talking about how well, hopefully we can see them in October because that's the only other chance they have to get revenge against the Rays. Do you want to see the Rays in an October series? Hell no, not in a short series against that pitching staff. They're gonna no that that is that is exactly this is the exact the exact formula that I did not want to see in a short series from a team and specifically Ugh. the Tampa Rays. I've been talking about this since the the first spring training. This is a scary team in a small if they are healthy if those pitchers are healthy if they have Snell Glass now and now Morton coming back if they have those three guys starting. In any series with the bullpen that they have that's now like 95 people deep, <laughs> everybody's in trouble. Don't. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. just the Yankees, but everybody's in trouble because their pitching staff is that good. And 
and they can hit. Oh, by the way, say what you want about Kevin Cash, he knows what to do for his team. Yeah, he's got so, the pulse. So yeah, I I mean maybe the Yankees the only chance for revenge the Yankees have against the Rays is to face them in October, but I'm not comfortable facing them in October even when they're fully healthy because I mean, again we're, we're when not comfortable fully... facing anybody with the team that they have right now. I I, I know that no. they're setting up for the playoffs, so hopefully that plan can work. But pitching pitching still doesn't seem like it's coming back. It doesn't it doesn't seem like there's any shining knight in shining armor unless we get a kid up here that's just shoves for you know the next four weeks. Uh, that's going to be a, a saving grace here because the pitching staff is still a problem. Whether you're playing Tampa or you're playing Oakland or you're playing the Detroit Tigers, it's a problem. It is, but even against, uh, especially against Tampa, even a fully healthy Yankees lineup is not built well to face Tampa. When every time you come to the plate, you're facing another pitcher, a different pitcher who has nasty stuff. Right. So Aaron Judge is probably going to face three or four or even five pitchers in a single game. Throw okay? 90, 98, 99. Yeah. It's not normal circumstances. And is it annoying? Hell yeah. Does it work? Also hell yeah. Yep. <sighs> they've basically, what they have done is they have they have looked at the way that the game has transpired with the strikeouts, the launch angle, the home runs, and they they have strategically combated that with their entire pitching staff. I mean, and they have, they still have, they still have young players coming up every year. Everybody's young. It's her, Charlie Martin is the only old guy on that team. I mean, that's they that have the number one off? prospect in baseball sitting in Double A. Doesn't it piss you off though that like the Rays got Charlie Morton for for nothing? Two two years, thirty million with a with a fifteen million dollar option. Meanwhile, the Yankees signed Jay Happ to more money. It's like where where was Cashman's nerd, nerds on that one? Like, hey, hey, let's offer Charlie Morton the, the J-Hap contract. That would have well, been nice. I mean, J-Hap was a trade. And then he was signed. I understand that. But, yeah. No. Uh, he so, but, you're meaning that when he was a free agent, he could have signed that. Yes, you're right. Before the 2019 season, yeah. both J-Hap and Morton were free agents. Right. Correct. I re- if I remember correctly, Morton signed really early in free agency. He did because something- he, had a, he had a connection to Tampa. I think he has like a house in the Tampa area. So maybe he was going to Tampa regardless. Oh, but know, if maybe, you offer maybe, more uh, money, maybe a little little biogenesis clinic down there somewhere, something going on there down there in Florida. Yeah, whatever. I was just saying, it's closer to home. It's closer to quote home. <laughs> so, a lot of, a lot of yeah. topical uh, solutions down there. Yeah, and, and specifically from from the series, um, I think where I have an eye test versus nerd test for Garrett Cole. We'll get to in a minute, but but the Yankees did make that game close late i mean they, they get the tying run to the plate in monday and wednesday's game so it's not like they're i mean okay michael k fight. was michael k was really pushing for that one on last night i'm sitting there like i'm i'm telling <laughs> when k is when k was saying all we got to do is get this guy on then get the next guy on get one more guy on and we have the tying run to the plate i'm like i just i had enough at that point i'm like <laughs> hey shut up I, I don't want to hear that right now i don't want to hear that I just want to watch this game. If he gets on, great. If the next guy gets on, great. Then we can talk about it. Can we not talk about it in the two outs in the in the bottom of the ninth or top of the ninth, bottom of the ninth? And in four guys, we'll have the tying run on. Okay, <laughs> thanks. We get it. We understand how the game works. Yeah. No. But and then I mean, and then he was right. I'm like, well, okay, okay. Now Luke's up, and I can get excited a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. Even though they get, but I, what I was going to say is, even though they get the tying run to the plate, 
I, it's not like I have confidence that something's going to happen. I, I felt something when when they uh, when DJ got that base hit. I was like, okay, DJ LeMayu again, the freaking guy who nuts up every single time. A hard line drive up the middle after uh, after after dude took one to the to the like the mid region, um, and DJ goes right back up the middle. Right, I love that. I feel like he meant to do that. I anywhere DJ LeMayu puts the ball, I feel like is intentional. Now you got him aiming the ball. Yeah, yeah the he's driving the ball up the box. Up the, so I love that. And and then Luke Voigt, you know, to his credit, hit the ball hard. Uh, just was, you know, at a guy and and yeah, know. they hit a few balls hard last night that were hit right at guys. But so I saw people talking about so Luke Voigt's uh, line drive to left field earlier in the game. It was like the hardest hit ball of the night, right? Yeah, yeah they it's had, like, oh man, that's a couple just balls unlucky. hit to right field as well that were line drives right at him. Uh-huh. Luke Voigt hits a line drive to the outfield that gets caught by someone, even though it's 111 miles an hour off the bat. Why do you think it was able to be get? Oh, because the Rays had four outfielders. So did Luke Voigt just do exactly what the Rays thought Luke Voigt was going to do? Well, no, because it was a line drive. It just stayed up. I mean, yeah, you could, you, I guess you could say that, but that's kind of a dick move to say that with the way that he hit that ball. I understand that. You can't aim the ball unless you're DJ LeMahieu. All your job is to do is hit the ball hard, and that's what Luke Voigt did. But the Rays did have four outfielders, so to they played fair, him perfectly. To be, I'm trying to remember that exact line drive. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, two to right field that I specifically remember that were line drives directly at the right fielder. So I, this one have, was at left field. You could have had nine people. You could have had nine people in the outfield, and it still would have been hit to the right fielder. What I'm saying is that even when the Yankees seemingly do something right, the Rays also did something right. Where was the the the, the ball that was hit by uh, Luke Foy early on? I had a couple moments where I had to leave because I have a toddler who was not cooperating with the game. The was the ball hit right at the left fielder? Yeah. Okay, so it was, so what is your point? One of the two left fielders. But my was it hit at the position <laughs> where the he position? would have been? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I did every positioning changes like was it hit direct left field? Yeah. Know. Was it I mean, what I'm saying I'm I'm being a little disingenuous with with this. I'm kind of just well, Thank you for admitting joke. that. Okay, great. But like but what my point is the the Rays they understand uh, the way that they're the approach for the Yankees and their combat. They're 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 playing against that perfectly. Yeah, like when you think the Yankees did something perfectly, like no, the Rays just did something more perfectly. Fine. It's frustrating. Yeah, it is. When you hit the ball on the on the nose, you want some results from it. And, and unfortunately, and then, that's baseball, Susan. Shit happens. Another frustrating thing, and this is just a microcosm for every failure the Yankees have had against the Rays this season. The Yankees are down by five runs in the fourth inning. They get second and third with one out. Talkman and Sanchez coming up. Talkman whiffs in an un, in a non-competitive at-bat. He's Sanchez whiffs. Shit. Yep. Sanchez whiffs in a non-competitive at-bat. No runs. The team is so predictable what this team is going to do in situations like that. So predictable. And for a guy like Talkman, are you are you expecting a better at bat for uh, you know on that? I know he's been playing terribly, but yeah, Talkman should be giving more competitive at bats. I agree. I agree. Guys like Talkman need to be competing in that in that box to to get to get as uh you know general and and just, you know, coach speak as possible. I need some better competition in in that box. I don't need my. I don't need savages in that box. I need better competition in that box. I need you to actually have good at bats in that box. You talk about leverage moments. We talked about le- uh, high leverage, low leverage, medium leverage a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago. 
High leverage situation, the Yankees seemingly have their least competitive at-bats. Yes. I mean, we talked about this, dude. I understand that for sure. Also, Tampa completely gets rid of those stats because of the guys that they bring in as well. So, and the high leverage situations at the end of the games, I don't even want to go through this whole thing again because there's no, there's no winning this. It it is what it is. The, The way that the stat reads, to me, it's just a skewed stat. It doesn't tell the whole story. So the way that relievers, especially Tampa, like it, I don't even hold that much weight in that stat because there's so many guys that they're throwing out there that are high leverage situation pitchers that come at you with something different. Anything else you it's want to misleading. talk about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. I want to ask you something series? because I yeah. missed, I missed something again. I was, I had, I had toddler Kemp delays. It's very difficult to get that, get, um, watch the first inning of a seven o'clock game when that's like the bedtime. What the hell was the drone thing? I come Man, down was, and like, everybody's yeah, looking up just, and there's a drone in the sky. Yeah, I don't know. I so I don't know if that was. I don't know what that delay. I don't. So it was a drone. That's I know. All I, I saw know the drone. It. I saw. That's all I know about it. Was it. A drone. Did and if if people found out on Twitter who the drone was, I don't know. Okay. Some guy in the Bronx just wanted to get a camera angle inside the Bronx, inside the, the stadium. Yeah. I, I don't know who was manning the drone. Got but it. it was a drone delay. Was yep. it was it a Tampa drone delay? Was it was it? Uh... It was Trevor Bauer outside. He's just manning the drone. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be yeah. surprised. Maybe maybe it's uh, Morton. Somebody uh, somebody that's attached to Morton. Well, Morton was on the mound. Attached to Morton. I know. <laughs> I realized that halfway through. Halfway, it came out of my mouth. <laughs> you guys have counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food that you're craving right to your door. Ordering is extremely easy. You open the DoorDash app, you choose what you want to eat, and the food is delivered right to you safely outside your door. And you can now choose their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. I use it all the time. Uh, it's a it's a terrific app, and there's a lot of local restaurants that you can get as well. There are way more than you expect that are included with DoorDash. Um, Bevan and I use this app probably twice a week. So definitely recommend going on and and buying it, especially with the code that we're about to give you. Many of the local restaurants are still open for delivery. So you can just use DoorDash, uh, select from their menu, choose the food you want, and they bring it right to you. And it usually happens pretty fast. And you can track the people as they come, which is fun to know because now you know when your food is coming exactly to the minute. So right now, all of our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fee with their first order of $15 or more. Just download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back to the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Seriously, guys, this is an awesome deal. As Scott and I have said, if you use this, you can get it on any device, your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your TV, Fire Stick, whatever you got. You can get 15 different TVs going to watch every game on Sunday afternoon. We're all going to be inside anyway because there's a freaking pandemic going on. You're not going to be able to go to a bar in October or November when it's cold outside and watch football. So you're going to have to do it at home. So visit NFLSundayTicket.tv. Use promo code BLUEWIRE15% off, baby. 
So the Yankees are getting guys back, at least. Britton came back. Higgy came back. Hey, they kept Kratz. Three catchers. Let's go. <laughs> and um, Glaber is at the alternate site rehabbing. They said he could be back in the Baltimore series. Stanton is uh, over, still over a week away, so maybe he's about a week away now since I, I saw that update. And uh, Cashman on WFAN said it was a uh, a failed rehab for Judge. He admitted that. So the first one, yeah. Uh, the there you go. One. There's your honesty. Do you feel better now? He's, he's telling you the truth. Uh, yes, I do feel about, better. about something that we all knew. I I do feel better. Why yeah. do you feel better about that? We knew that. We knew that. But if 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 who gives a <laughs> shit what he says? Because if Brian Cashman so then stupid. said to the listen listen if Brian Cashman then said to the media. Well, we followed the process, and we th- and our trainer said that Aaron Judge was right and ready to come back, and he just injured his injured his calf again two two seconds into playing the game. Well, that's frustrating because clearly it wasn't right, and you're just lying to me now. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I would expect I again have zero expectations from anything they say, nor do I listen to much with any context or, or you know have any 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 belief in what anybody says anymore on on a podium. It's just well, all horseshit. What's going on with Luke Voigt's foot stuff? His foot stuff? I don't know. He looks good. He's playing playing okay through foot stuff. Yeah, but like what? what is... Is it gout? Well... Is it, it turf toe? That That's... Turf toe is it's called serious. many things, right? And and he's ha- hasn't he had foot things in the past? Hasn't he had... I mean, turf toe is Linz Frank, is it not? It's the, it's the tendon... I don't know. You're it's the a, fake doctor. Yeah, I don't know, I'm trying to tell you. I don't know why I'm asking you. It's so it's it's the tendon that that um, is in the foot that gets either you could sprained or or um, you know there's a tear, which a lot of times a sprain is a small tear. But Can you point it, it out to me on my foot right now? It's your your yeah. It, it goes down the middle of your foot. It's it's a painful thing. So every time you arc your foot or take a step or do anything, there's pressure and it feels like your foot's about to rip. So apart. I'm looking at my foot right now, and there's there's like these long things that go to each toe. It's Are those the arch them? when you like arch your foot and then like spread your toes out, point your toes up. You feel yeah. that in the bottom of your foot? That's that's like getting, oh, it's underneath. Yeah, that's, that's what. That's it's that's, inside that it's all connected there. So when you do that, so it feels like your foot's going to rip off a lot of times. Right. So Lynn's Frank I mean, is really bad. It's it's one of those injuries. I don't that's, think that's turf toe. It's one of those things that takes a very long time to heal, but it's also one of those things that's um, hard to do anything with because it's just time. And what do well, you do? Time. You walk, you walk a lot. You're on well, your I feet a lot. Yeah, I don't think he has that. And I it think it could be a strain. That's the thing. Like there could be any kind of a strain in the foot and it's going to mess with you a little bit. Could he have stubbed his toe? Doing like, what? Re- have you ever stubbed your toe really bad? Like yeah, you could just jam it on the bed frame or something. Okay. I've done that. So that's that's foot stuff. That's foot does he have does he have a foot fetish? Like and Rex it, Ryan? And, it, and he got carried away. Yeah. He has a foot fetish. Him and his lovely wife got a little carried away with something, and now he's got foot stuff. So he's got a foot fetish on his own foot? Maybe they have a foot fetish together, and she was and doing was something her- to his foot, and it got out of hand. It was his turn? Yeah. I. If that's if that's what happened, then, you know, that's kind of – it's an acceptable way to get an injury, yeah, I think. Yeah, you do that in the offseason. Uh, when I say uh, – Plantar plantar fasciitis is what I was thinking of in my head when I said... That's Linz Frank? No, no. Plantar fasciitis is turf toe. Okay. 
and that's and that's when yeah there's a sprain of the big toe or the top of the foot and it could because be from you, jamming or running or it could be from the cleats it could be from a number of things i mean it's noticeable luke voigt when he's running you can notice he's limping yeah. I mean, it's not preventing him from playing well. He's still playing well, so great. And they're not going to take him out of the lineup, so it's not preventing him from being on the field. He's great. still making he's, really good contact and hitting the ball. He's fighting through in the injury, whatever the injury is. Great. But he's obviously limping. <laughs> like It's clear. I, I know. I that That is clear. But the thing is, at the plate where we need him to do well, he's still... Yeah, he's still producing, still hitting the yeah. ball hard. It's it's interesting and it's kind of it's I mean it's funny that Boone just called it foot stuff. Like they're being vague about this one. They're being vague about it cuz they probably have no idea or <laughs> they're scared to put him under any kind of an MRI. <laughs> they're afraid if they put him in the MRI machine it's going to oh yeah, his foot needs to be amputated. Ah oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking stuff up here because I I had some uh, I had some Okay. So I, I was I was not correct. I want to correct myself here because I'm okay. getting these two c- confused. So the, um, the shocking, the, you the, weren't right about a medical issue. No, it, it's it, they're not far off though. The Lince Frank is is actually the bone. So that's it's like a small fracture in the bone, whereas the um, the turf toe is the the ligament and more of a strain or a, a jamming of sorts. But it's it's around the same area. Like there's a there's a they both suck and they both take a while because they're on the foot and they're, and they're up, you know, where the arch, when you arch your foot with both injuries, like it's no good. Like, cause you feel that you felt that on the bottom of your foot. When that thing gets tight, when your foot opens up and you just like point your toes in any way, a lot of things happen. They fire off in the foot and and now you have big problems. Do you think it's a, that serious? We should talk to our, though? we should talk to our, our guy up in Minnesota, the pitching nerd. who has got a podcast. The pitching nerd does, does some really good things. He's a, he's a foot expert. Why is he a foot expert? Uh, well, he studies the foot. He studied the foot, and he he builds. He teaches. He teaches pitching. He's a pitching coach as well, but he teaches from the ground up. A lot of things come from the ground up. You get your balance from the ground up. You get your power from the ground up, and you, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the mechanics start in your in your footwork. No, I, I get that. It's just the the pitch. I didn't think the pitching ninja was going to be a foot expert. Not pitching ninja, pitching nerd. Well, that's different. You said pitching ninja. I said pitching nerd, and it's that's the name of his podcast, Pitching Nerd. Okay. So go check it out. Well, pitching ninja is the thing too, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, it's a different guy. Okay. Um, the trade deadline. So there were some big names that moved. Obviously, Clevenger went to San Diego. Mike Miner went to Oakland. Robbie Ray went to Toronto. But uh, I read an article on the Athletic that talked about what you know what is really the type of player that's being dealt at the deadline. It's no it, top end prospects are still not moving. No top end prospects moved at the deadline this year. Guys who were acquired had years of control, so teams are still coveting and hoarding years of control, and a ton of relievers were traded. So even though a lot of players moved. The article basically said it's the same players every year that get moved. A couple of pitchers who have years of control, no top-end prospects, and teams use the trade deadline as an opportunity to retool their bullpen. So the last three years have really been about that at the trade deadline. So we talk a lot about, oh, is is the are, is uh, like when the Red Sox traded um, – Actually, no, that wasn't a midseason. I was going to say when they traded Yo Mankata 
for Chris Sale. That was an offseason deal. So even that doesn't doesn't top prospects don't get moved really at the deadline for for a midseason acquisition. It just hasn't happened in a while. They're also it's it's you're you're going for an immediate need a lot of times and you want the back end control as well, but you're not willing to give up a top end prospect that has years and years of control, high potential control, a high production potential control, and uh, you're going after a win this year. So it's a it's a different mindset because you're, I think your objectives are different in that in that way. So unless you see something beyond, you know what's happening right now, and like this is it, this is the last opportunity. We're and even that case, you could be like, oh, we're screwed. We're going to rebuild with this guy. There's it's it's very difficult I think to get rid of uh, a, a top prospect in the middle of a season. There's just a, a different objective I think. Yeah, and the article was also talking about the last time high end prospects with a lot of future value were traded at the deadline was 16 when the Yankees got Glaber. Right, and that was for a reliever to put the Cubs over the top because the Cubs identified that one we have young players around. Glaber's not the only young player that we have. And we got to win a World Series right now. Yeah. Unique <laughs> right circumstances. Now. Yes. So what do you think about the Mike Clevenger to San Diego trade? Because the Indians got six players in return, but none of them were in the top seven of San Diego's prospects. San Diego has a great farm system, but they traded outside of their top seven prospects to get Mike Clevenger, who is, I don't know, what do you want to call him? A top 20 starting pitcher in baseball? Yeah, I saw a lot of places calling, you know, throwing the ace word out there for Clevenger. I wouldn't call him an ace, but I call him a a solid number one. Um, the solid number one slash one B. The here's the thing. The I was looking at the teams who made these moves, and I'm looking at what's happening here. And we've been this has been a topic of discussion the entire time. Like who's really going for it this year? Who doesn't care that much? And and how is that going to affect what happens at the deadline? And I think it was kind of prevalent. I think we, I think we saw what some people feel that this year is. And you didn't see very many big teams. You didn't see very many big market teams. Teams that have a lot of, um, you know, the Dodgers could have gotten a little bit better. Yankees could have tried to get a little bit better. You could have seen, you know, some of the other teams that were, uh, you know, competing for a, a, a quote championship and um, and had the opportunity to get better. They didn't. They did not get better. Who got better? San Diego, who needs to win. They've been, they've been under 500 for a decade. Yeah, so they're going for it on, on a year that's weird and just like kind of, kind of, you know, But astric-y. they're also, but it's not, San Diego's also setting themselves up for the next two years too because they're going to be good next year too. It's sure. not like San Diego, this is just, oh, well, we have a bunch of expiring contracts and we got to win this no, year. No, yeah, I understand that. But they're also going, they're also, they made, you know, 80, you know, 50 moves at the deadline, it seemed like. They, sure. they traded for everybody and they're definitely going for it this year because they see an opportunity to win. I think it does matter what your fan base is and what they think and how the, what their expectations are. So if you're a San Diego Padres fan or a Toronto Blue Jays fan or an Oakland Athletics fan, all three of those teams were very active and made the big moves. If you're a fan of either one of those, any one of those teams, you're excited because you're playing with house money right now. And if you win a championship, I don't give a rat's ass what year it is. It's it's the biggest thing that's ever happened to your organization. If Billy, this is a very Billy Bean year to win a World Series, by the way. Like if he's going for it and wins it this year, it makes complete sense. Put a bow on it, just retire, bro. Like this is it. You know, get into like the pitching machine business and go travel to minor league parks and find guys and sell them to player to teams. That's your your new job. But like there's a very clear delineation on the teams that made moves and the teams that did not make moves. And I feel like the the year, this COVID year, 
definitely plays into that. Well, would you have gone harder after Clevenger? Andy Martino, friend of the podcast, said, reported that the asking price for Lance Lynn or Mike Clevenger was two of the three players, Clint Frazier, Debbie Garcia, and Clark Schmidt. Two of the three. Yeah, two of the three is tough. Especially now that Clint Frazier has been reborn as a mature baseball player that can play defense (laughs) at a seemingly high level with some of the plays that he's made. I'm not going to say he's a high level defender by any means, but he's being, he's showing what we saw in 2018 being a competent, you know, a, 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 a a fine defender, a good defender, if you will, um, with a, with a good arm uh, and a plus plus bat. So he's got a, a real future in left field for the Yankees. I think he's got a. He, it's his job to take. That's, couldn't that, you find that, a, a comparable left fielder? But to no, I, I don't think that's fair. I, I think that's taking away no, what I think he's that's doing. Very fair. I think it's not. I think that what he has, yeah. the tools that he has, are are definitely going to be growing. I think he's going to get become a better hitter as as the patience comes. I think he's going to become a better defender. I think he's got the opportunity to be a very good player. So that being said, you're going to give up him and then the potential of a uh, you know a, an impact potential arm in your rotation. So, but you're getting an impact, but you're not getting a potential impact arm. You're getting a an existing impact arm for for one post COVID year guaranteed, right? Well, two for Clevenger, two after this year. Or is, uh, yeah, he was only okay Cle- for two. Clevenger is not a free agent until the 2023 season. So after 2022, so you'd get 2020, 21, and 22. Uh, postseason runs with Clevenger. Lance Lynn, I get it. He's only signed for next year and we already had him and I think that's just bad optics. Mike Clevenger, I'm trading all three of those. Wait, hold on a second. So Martino is saying that one of those, for both of those teams, I have a hard time believing that Clint Frazier was in that Cleveland deal. Yeah, I know. That's why I had a hard time believing it as well. But I mean, let's take it at his reporting at face value. I don't know. So, So, So say it was Garcia and Schmidt. Okay, for for that's two um, top prospect pitching prospects. That's a different story. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. For for a top pitcher, yeah, for I get for years. under for a known quantity, for for three for two and a half more seasons, or whatever you want to call it this year. Yeah, two full it, it, more seasons. You do that trade. You do that trade. Right. We were talking about Lance Lynn, and well, you know, I know I'm not doing it for Lance Lynn. I'm trading one of those guys for Lance Lynn because of and the then some other control. prospects because, because of the one year control yeah. and because frankly, it's just. I don't know. I don't hot trust dogs. that Lance Lynn is like actually. You don't like him because you think he smells like. I don't hot know. Dogs. He looks like cured meats. Clevenger, come on. He's a young pitcher from the Cleveland organization, so you know he's legit because they just shit out starting pitchers. Yeah, I mean, you know, you make there's that also, deal. There's also, uh, there's also, you know, these little whispers of of him being a clubhouse problem potentially. There's a lot but of that. Matt, he was a he was an ass with Plesic and and you know he put, was did a, did a, made a very selfish move and yep. maybe he, he's maybe he's learned from his mistakes. I mean, okay, but there's a risk there as well. You know, there's also the risk that every starting pitcher that you think is good that comes with the Yankees completely shits the bed. Yeah, I mean, and if Matt Blake, who was in the Cleveland organization, told Cashman, "No, you don't want Mike Clevenger," then fine, I stand corrected. Uh, very good point. Blake was in there, knows him intimately. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there there could have been a lot of opinions there from from his side of things. You're right. Brian Cashman called it. I put the quote in here. He called it a risky marketplace. Why do you think he called it a risky marketplace? Because because Lance Lynn, the names you're looking at were risky. There was there's risk associated with all of those names. That's oh, why. I, see, 
I there's a big I, there's risk on the field. There's risk there's risk with um, just you know bringing a guy back into a market. There's risk that you know Clevenger just is a is a potential problem in a clubhouse. Who knows? Isn't the trade market inherently risky? Yeah, of course isn't it is. It always but maybe risky? there's this this one. You're bringing up the you know the the potential reaction for giving up a top prospect for a guy that was already in your building and the the reaction uh the public reaction from that that's risky there's something to uh, that do you think Brian Cashman cares about public reaction not really i'm just using it for my argument but i think there's some little bit of uh, uh you got okay. someone's in his ear saying that what's the public reaction if the yankees trade clark schmidt and Devi garcia to the indians for mike clevenger what's the public reaction that they gave up too much for a guy that just put his entire team at risk and uh, and cost them starts. He was not on the field because of what he stupidly did off the field. And now you're giving up two top two of your number one and number two prospects for a guy. No, that, not number one and two prospects. Top two pitching prospects. I'm 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 getting the 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 Martian is not in my conversation here because he's like 14 years old and untouchable and so far away. That these are the two top viable prospects in your organization that have any remote chance of impact in the next two to three years. Okay, so let's say it wasn't both. And this of those. team needs pitching. What if and was, one guy just shoved? What if it was and Debbie one guy Garcia. has like mystique because he's down there and Eric Kratz says he's great and is ready now. What if it was Devi Garcia and two other prospects within the Yankees top twenty and Clint Frazier? Or and I was gonna say Miguel and Duhar, but he has absolutely no value. Yeah, I mean, you're still giving up a the, a top pitching prospect. You're giving up your your future left fielder, and then okay, I want to go back the, to the that, other two. That doesn't matter. Though. Like you threw in two double A prospects, like that mattered. It didn't matter. Okay, so so you saying Clint Frazier is the it could be the future Yankees left fielder. I'm not disagreeing with you, but don't you think it's a lot easier to find? Let a me ask left you a question. I know what you're about to say. Pitcher? Yes, yes, of course. It's it's Yankees have had a hard time finding that. It's not it's not easy to find that when you have a, a, somebody in your organization right now that's that's definitely has the talent, like very very good talent, and is trending up. Oh 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 oh! And by the way, the guy that's in right field that's supposed to be the franchise player also having a very difficult time staying on the field. Interesting that you bring that up. So do you think the injury risk with the entire Yankees outfield played yes. a factor in not wanting to give up Clint Frazier? Probably. Does Clint Frazier now have way more value in Brian Cashman's eyes because he is saying, well, even if he's not the quote-unquote starting left fielder next year, he's going to play 125 games because someone's going down. Yeah. You you might not be wrong. There's there You have to consider the injury you almost have to go team. in with five. You have to go in with like five starting outfielders next year, with the way that their their outfield is is injury risk. With Judge I mean, that's Hicks what they've been doing. Stanton. That's what they've been doing ever since Hicks got over here. Hicks Hicks was the fourth outfielder when he when he came over and played practically every day. So you're you're going four to five deep in the outfield. They've been doing that since the John Ryan Murphy trade. I mean, like they've been doing it for a while. This has been something that they they know that they were going to rotate through that DH spot. They knew that they were going to do this. And and then especially when Stanton came over, they knew damn well they were going to do this. Now, what about like Mike Miner or Robbie Ray? Like those pitchers are not nearly as good as uh, Mike Clevenger, but that could have been a really valuable fourth rotation option for the Yankees going forward this year and into the playoffs. And 
And it's like they didn't even really have conversations about those guys. Well, I know they've had conversations in the past about Robbie Ray, so maybe they already knew what was, you know, maybe they already knew what was going to happen. It could have been just like an instant text. Hey, has the price changed? Has the price come down enough? No. All right, cool. Good luck. You know, they they've Cashman has dialogue with with um, with Arizona. We've we've made a bunch of trades with Arizona, so I, I feel like there's an ongoing dialogue there, and he are, probably already knew what the cost was. And they've I, they've looked at that player, they've looked at Robbie Ray for it seems like three years now. And Mike Miner, also a guy that they looked at, you know, last year when he was available at the deadline, that for whatever reason Texas didn't trade him at that point, which was stupid. Mm-hmm. And then they give him up in division. Do you know what weird. they? Do you know what Oakland gave up for him? Tell me, two players to be named later. I mean, talk about completely screwing that situation up with a with, as a Texas organization. We yeah. we knew that last year. Looking at the like, why would you not trade this? Yeah, guy? what are you doing, You're Texas? Idiots. Yeah, just, so the, they're so, gonna they're gonna they're gonna eat shit with Lance Lynn too. Yes, they are, and they're gonna get nothing for him at the deadline next year. So or unless Leonard, they trade him in the offseason, which they need to. And so so, so for Mike Miner, they got two players to be named later. Like, come on, Brian. Like. That's no risk. That's not risky. It's not risky unless those players to be named later are top prospects. <laughs> but but they they wouldn't be right. <laughs> so the, unless uh, those players to be named later were Debbie Garcia and Clark Schmidt. No, you, you usually have a list of players. Like okay, from we're we're talking about prospects numbers fifteen yeah, I know, to I'm twenty being, I'm in being, my organization. I'm being facetious here. I understand that. They're not. So I, they're not so, high level prospects. So you want to you want to say so Mike Miner? I don't think he's going to be a necessarily the key to winning a World Series this he's year. He's a cog. He's a potential cog. But with the way the rotation is currently, and with the amount of games they have the rest of the way, that's a really nice option to have. You also just need to add bodies that are that are of the major league. Warm bodies, baby. The you warm need, body yeah. method. It is true. Guys that can throw have the potential to throw five innings. I don't even <laughs> care. I don't even care if they do. Just the potential to throw five innings and have done it before in the last 12 months. If you have that person and they're still in the game after five innings in the last 12 months, that's value, baby. Yeah, so so you want to say uh, the uh, the Lance Lynn market was risky if you're Brian Cashman? Okay, I can get down with that, but I, I still think there could have been additions to be made that were, were not risky. And also, yeah, so we also uh, going circling back to Minor and Texas, they're unreasonable at, at certain times. Clearly, because last year Mike Minor seemed like they were going to get a much a, a good deal for him last year, and yeah. they give up nothing. And they were playing the same stubborn over, you know, over overplaying their hand position again this year with Lance Lynn. So who knows what the actual asking price was for for him? But I would say that if you are getting Lance Lynn for one of those prospects, Clark Schmidt or Debbie Garcia, or you're giving up the pro- the the package that was rumored for Mike Clevenger, the much less risky situation is Lance Lynn. Um, giving up one guy. Oh, okay, to get I see it. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But who would you rather have? Just on face value, who would you rather have, Lynn, Lynn or Clevenger? The way that they're pitching right now, I would rather have Lance Lynn because he's a, he's uh, the, one of the I'd best rather, pitchers in baseball. Yeah, but I'd rather have Clevenger because he's he's been almost as good as Lance Lynn, and he's locked up for longer. Here's the thing: next year's the year. They gotta win next year. 
got to win next okay, year. But I think Clevenger or Lance Lynn help you equally. Yes, but you also now have series. Lance Lynn plus potentially uh, a top prospect. That, yeah, maybe that maybe they go after Lance Lynn for for just Devi Garcia in the offseason or something like that. But maybe. Who knows? All right. I test versus nerd test. I want to talk about Garrett Cole. He's having a weird season. He hasn't been dominant. Just flat out has not been dominant. The dominant pitcher we saw for two seasons in Houston. Um, it's not like a spin rate issue. Remember you were worried that, oh, maybe he comes to the Yankees and where did his fastball spin rate go? Remember you were worried about that? I was just worried about him not being the same pitcher, really. You know, you know, whatever, however the nerds want to okay. tell me what's, what's going on. I just, well, yeah. for nerds, for spin rate, he ranks, where did I put it in here? I was going to so say fastball how, the spin rate, how the nerds want to spin it. He, he ranks in the 92nd percentile for, for fastball spin rate. So That's good. Still really good. Yeah. His ERA is 3.91. His FIP is 4.83. So not great. An expected FIP of 3.7. So he's pitching a little better than his stats might show. Here's the thing that's really concerning. 12 home runs allowed. 2.35 home runs per nine innings. He's allowed at least one home run in all eight of his starts. 12 of the 39 hits he's allowed have been home runs. So way too many home runs. Off of his fastball, seven home runs allowed. So off of his fastball which was the best fastball in baseball last year. This year, he's allowing a 524 slugging percentage, 575 expected slugging percentage, and a 434, 430, 343, a little dyslexic, 343 weighted on base average. So his fastball is getting hit. Might be missed spots. Might be the slight downtick in velocity. I don't think that's a huge issue. I think it's more mislocation. But also hitters are hunting his fastball. They're swinging at his fastball more often, especially early in counts, and they're hitting it. So you're asking me, what's the specific question here? Because I is there I, a question? I don't know. I don't know. Eye test versus nerd test. If you were going to ask me a, a specific, okay. So eye test versus nerd test. What's your eye test? Uh, my my nerd test. My on eye test Garrett is telling Cole. me that there's a lot of home runs happening against Garrett Cole. <laughs> that that the ball is going out of the park more often than I was expecting it to. And I know yep. that last year he. He did have he gave up home runs. That that was a no. He's a guy who attacks people usually with you know no runners on. He'll he'll be you know over the plate a little bit more often. Um, but th- there were a lot more swings and misses it seems like than there were home runs. But the home runs would happen because he he is aggressive um, in certain situations. So my eye test says, man, it seems like he's given up a lot of hard contact. I didn't expect that, right? Like there's some balls that are just mashed off of Garrett Cole, and you don't expect that. And the nerd test backs that up. He ranks low in exit velocity, hard hit percentage, and barrel percentage. That's because of all the home runs he's given up. Right. He's actually he's having such a weird season. The batting average on balls in play off Garrett Cole is 265. It's the lowest of his career, but it's because he's given up 12 home runs. So because when that doesn't hitting, account that doesn't account for the home runs. Correct. So when they're hitting Garrett Cole, it's going out of the ballpark. Yeah. And they're not all solo home runs like they were in the first couple starts. There's some two-run home runs in, in there. And like on Monday They're night, also not all to right field in the in the Yankee short porch either. So, you know, people are going to say, well, Yankee Stadium. Well, guess what? Uh, the other place that's really easy to give up home runs is Tropicana. Or not, yeah, Tropicana. Is it Tropicana no, or another no, orange Trop- juice? No, Minute Maid. Minute Maid. Minute Maid was the other orange juice. <laughs> Tropicana Field's actually a pitcher's park. The Trop, yeah. No, that's not what I meant. I meant Minute Maid. I'm thinking Minute Maid in my head, and I said Tropicana. I'm thinking orange juice. In Houston, that park gives up home runs. That park gives up lots of home runs unless you go dead center. But So it's not the park. It's 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 a matter of him 
getting hit on the fastball. That's the biggest thing. And yep. why is that happening? That's the question. Why is yeah. the, why is the fastball being hit now, whereas it wasn't being hit? Is it because of deception? Is it because he's he's being attacked differently? I have a hard time believing that all of a sudden they're like, oh, we figured it out after he didn't lose a game since May. So he talked of about 2019. He talked about tipping pitches in the in the post game press conference on Monday. Why is everybody on the Yankees tip pitches? <laughs> he was asked about tipping pitches. He downplayed it. He said, well, I think we all tip pitches to a certain extent. So he wasn't saying, I got hit tonight because I was tipping pitches. Yeah. But he's saying, I think we all tip pitches. Which so, is probably true. That's just a real, that's just a real, real comment. Because it's some pitchers, true. though, some pitchers are good enough where you can tip it and still beat the guy. Right. That great, that great uh, David Cohn tidbit where he said in the 1984 season, Doc Gooden tipped his curveball every single time. And he still was the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, because this stuff was that freaking nasty. Yep. And he had a rubber band arm. (laughs) Garrett Cole's not locating his fastball well enough to where if the hitter knows a fastball is coming, they they still can't hit it. And I think location's the biggest issue with him. We've seen him leak fastballs over the middle of the plate and it get hit. He hasn't been able to put hitters away with the fastball because it's not in the location he wants it. I'm not saying Garrett Cole's a disaster and it's a it's a waste of $324 million. But I can also say he hasn't been as good as I was hoping he was going to be. And I think he would say that. He admits that. For sure he admits that. And, you know, obviously the guy's a perfectionist. The guy is not... He just lost his first game in a bad situation. It was not a good... It was not good timing for... For no, second loss in a second row. Second loss, my bad. For, for that to happen. But like the second one coming at that time, not good. You expect a guy to bounce back and have a huge start. And especially in that situation, especially going up against glass now, like that's a, that's a nut up situation right there. And he didn't nut up. Tampa Bay nutted up is what happened. He didn't nut up. And, and you're, you're looking for your $324 million ace to nut up in that situation and out pitch glass now, or at least match glass now. So you can win a game that you desperately need against the Rays. And it didn't happen. Um, I, I think he'll figure it out because I think he's a great pitcher. But he hasn't been a great pitcher so far. He's been okay. Okay, he's so been an okay pitcher. A question here. Just this is a this is a conspiracy theory. Not really. I'm just kind of diving into it. But let's talk about it because the guy's been a freaking problem in every other capacity. Why not blame him here? Is Gary Sanchez a problem with the with receiving the ball as well? Is Gary Sanchez a problem with uh, as as part of a battery? Well, we've seen other pitchers pitch well to Gary Sanchez. I'm just posing a question here because what do you so I mean Garrett Cole has praised Gary Sanchez says he's working hard. Garrett Cole's a professional, I will say. Page. Garrett Cole, yeah, the, I mean the other day. But do you think he would praise him outwardly if he wasn't doing what he wanted or do you think he would just not really talk about it? No, I think he would outwardly praise him because I think that's a when when asked a specific question because that's that's the kind of guy that he is. You know what? You know how I feel about this. If, he, if, if, if if it's the if, catcher, if Garrett then, Cole, then be better pitcher. If like Garrett Cole were throwing to Eric not. Kratz, would it be different? I don't think so. Why is Eric Kratz still on the roster? Why are the Yankees who are struggling mightily at the plate have three catchers on the roster? I think because they're afraid that one of the other catchers is going to get hurt fairly soon. <laughs> and that they would be completely screwed because the guy that they release is going to be gone. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's, you not, have a, the that's extra, not a good situation. You have the extra roster spot, so you can carry the extra catcher, no problem. Yeah, or you could carry another bat to potentially come in and do something or make a move and carry a Listen, guy that's I, impactful. Is it because Gary Sanchez has been so bad this year that they have to carry Eric Kratz right now yes, as a backup? Yes, yes, that's a problem it too, it's man. It's because Gary like, Sanchez is hitting 120. And is okay, defensively just sometimes looks clueless out there. This is a problem, and and am I going to blame him for this? I'm not blaming him. I'm saying that there is potentially something in the back of the mind where maybe Garrett Cole can't throw all the pitches that he wants to and has to do something because Gary Sanchez is inept. Would you have traded Gary would I have, Sanchez would I have been shocked? <laughs> would I be shocked if that was like an actual thought in their minds? No, I would not be at all. Would you say would I traded? Would what? you have traded Gary Sanchez for Mike Clevenger? Like I wouldn't have. I would have. <laughs> I would have driven up there without a mask. I would have like inhaled as much of the of everybody breathing and gotten his stuff out there and taken it, walked it to Cleveland. You would have pulled a Kirk Cousins. If I die, I die. If I die, I die. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. Call me a uh, a martyr for the Yankees fan base. I'll go in. Listen, I don't know if Gary Sanchez, if Gary Sanchez is the reason why Garrett Cole isn't pitching dominantly, then I don't know if I blame Gary Sanchez or if I blame. Garrett Cole in that situation. I'm not even saying that he's the reason. I'm saying that there's he's a contributing factor because his play has been complete dog shit. But that's just me coming out trying to make excuses for Garrett Cole, honestly. But I don't want to make excuses for Garrett Cole. But you know what? Gary Sanchez's play has has put me in. It's put me in a box where I can no longer dismiss anything when he's involved because he looks that bad. I don't care about that Grand Slam. Everything about that Grand Slam is just a microcosm for what this is. He peaks in times that are so situationally convenient to peak based on the situation. I'm not saying that it was situationally convenient because of the home run. I'm talking about because of the situation where he knew he was going to get fastballs and he eventually hit one. No, no, I know. It was it was not impressive. The home run, it wasn't an impressive It was, it was good timing. Not impressive because of the situation and the way that it occurred uh, based on the pitcher and the pitches that were thrown. So, but Garrett Cole has a meeting with Gary Sanchez about an approach for the Tampa Bay Rays on Monday night. Who's leading that meeting? Garrett Cole's doing all the talking. Yes, he's doing all the work. He's doing all the the homework. He's telling the approach. Right. So, okay, when you're in a group project and you're leading that group project and you're doing all the goddamn work, how do you Who do you think was doing it last year with Martin Maldonado? Do you think it was Martin Maldonado or Garrett Cole? I think Martin Maldonado probably had input. I bet he probably spoke up and actually had good things to say. I do believe that. I think that when you have a catcher and there's a a way to... um, even when you're a perfectionist and Garrett Cole, you still want to be challenged. You want to be challenged. You want a, a, someone to to push you to 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 you know say something different, at least for nothing else but to be the contrarian to like look at the other side. You want that pushback. But, you want that okay. that good feeling of a team. So does if Garrett Cole needs a personal catcher, I'm not okay with that. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that our starting catcher needs to be better in all those situations. It's not a personal catcher situation. It's I that, believe it's a, it's a, it's a problem with our starting catcher. You're you're looking at this the wrong way. It's not a personal catcher situation. It's our it's that our starting catcher is a problem. Okay, that you're right. That is t- completely different. I'm looking up Garrett Cole if he has thrown to anyone except Gary Sanchez this year. Uh I don't believe he has, but um I just want to confirm that because basically what I'm trying to confirm is they're pushing the Gary Garrett relationship. Like that's it's they're trying to make it work. They're not going to they're not going to 
jump the gun on anything and be like, okay, well, Garrett, here's here's Kratz, here's Higgy. Well, no, because now you're gonna it's not gonna be Higgy. It would be Kratz. It would be the only logical situation. Higgy's why not Higgy? Higgy's the long term backup option for the Yankees. Long term backup option. He's still just very green. I don't know when it comes to receiving. He's not. No, Higgy's a great receiver. That's the whole reason he is the backup this year. No, I'm saying in the in the pros with a guy like Garrett Cole. I don't know. Yeah, you could try. It's a trial situation. I I want. I would like them to get more time. Those two in particular. Then just throw them into a regular season situation. I guess now with the with the way that the playoffs are situated and that everybody makes the playoffs, maybe not the Yankees. Who knows? Uh, it, it would be a good time to do some experimenting. But I would rather a veteran guy. That's all I'm saying. Um, I, why can't I find this? Look, the thing is, is we need Garrett Cole to be right found it. for any any success to happen in this year. And I don't even know if they care if there's any success this year or not. I don't. I really don't know. But if there is to be any success, if there really is any, I mean, deep down, do they really care? Deep down, do they really care? I don't know. But if if they if they do care for that to happen, for this season to actually end in success for any capacity, the number one factor, the biggest factor is Garrett Cole being a dominant force. If that doesn't yeah. happen, we're screwed. He has only thrown to Gary Sanchez this year. Eight starts. So, um, no, you know, I agree. If Garrett Cole's not the ace he was in Houston, in specifically in October, but really from now through October, the Yankees aren't winning shit. So he's thrown to Gary Sanchez every single time. Yep. We've seen he's had good starts against with yeah, Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, Gary Cole, when when you have that type of talent, you're gonna have good starts. <laughs> but, no, so, but but you but know I, what? I, I, there's there's something to there's something to be said when you have a guy that is having the worst career, the worst year of his career in a in a very in a very checkered career so far with Gary Sanchez. To say that he's having the worst the worst year of his career is not an exaggeration. It's true. On I'd say both sides of the uh, of the ball. Now you're throwing the best pitcher in baseball coming over with the biggest contract, and he's having the worst year he's had in, in years. You don't think there's something to be said about that? No, Gary Sanchez is actually. I'm trying to put myself in the minds of the Yankees coaches. He is not having the worst year of his career behind the plate. My eyes are telling me he is. <laughs> um, with uh, not behind the plate, he's not having the worst year of his career behind the plate. That's fair, fine, but he's not good behind the plate. He's having his That's worst. He's fine. he's having his worst oh, worst offensive year. year. Okay, yeah, by far because he's he's a non-factor. Offensive. But at least he's healthy, I guess, right? Is he? So, but even if it is just Garrett Cole, I don't know if that's enough pitching to get them through October. Right. Uh, that's that's a bare minimum. Bare minimum, Garrett Cole has to be dominant. <laughs> that's bare minimum. He has to be dominant. I mean, Brian Cashman spent three hundred twenty-four million dollars to fix this rotation, and it's still broken. Right. And it's not broken because Garrett Cole's not pitching like an ace. It's broken because Paxton's hurt again. Tanaka is, what the hell is he? Is he a five-inning pitcher? Is he a 66 pitches and then the tank is empty pitcher? Is he going to get lit up like he's been lit up in certain starts? And Hap's not getting a playoff start. Who, who are we kidding? What are you talking and, about? Hap's, Hap's the best pitcher on this team right now. And Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> Can I say that now? Can I say that now? Is Hap the best pitcher on this pitches, team? Let's see how he pitches what today if he, what if he, Yeah, what if he just comes out and just dominates? Uh, then maybe it's just the Mets. He might he might be a, he might be the best pitcher on the team. Jordan Montgomery can't get out of the first inning. Jordan Montgomery's been a big disappointment. He can't get out of the first inning in a game the Yankees need to nut up. He nutted down with meatballs over the plate. I, I had someone tweet me 
um, while Montgomery was giving up missiles to the bleachers, do the Rays know our pitches? Are they stealing signs? And I said, do you really need to steal that it's going to be a meatball over the plate? Because that's what Montgomery was throwing. Meatballs over the plate. They should have been hit 500 feet. I agree. I'm not, look, I'm not going down this path of everybody knowing our stuff anymore. It's like, okay, it's so easy to get to that point and to, to go to that immediately. It's uh, unless, unless somebody tells me different, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that that's not a thing, right? Until someone says no. it's different. If it's, I too, see, it's too easy. It's too easy to lean easy. on. But also like I, I look at the pitch and I'm like, oh, that was a hanging curveball down the middle. So yeah, it should have been a home run. Right. Yeah, I think there's a different approach. I think that's happening. I think their uh, their game plan is freaking good, and they have good players top to bottom, very deep, and that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a problem. The Yankees don't face uh, the Rays anymore, so so I don't know they, until they until do they go into the playoffs potentially, and and, yeah. and they're in a bubble. You get you get the rebound you get the rebound team this weekend Baltimore and then you face ten against the Blue Jays who just got better because they added pitching at the deadline in their playoff team so let's see how they play against the Blue Jays yeah the that's Blue Jays is the the Blue Jays is the new team that's uh, that's that came into September that wasn't what we thought they were going to be um, mm-hmm. but September starts right now we were talking oh, about this started at, three days ago no no it started after the Tampa series we knew that Tampa okay. was there then after that like you look at the you look at the season uh, the rest of the season you're like okay here we go. Right now, now yeah, Toronto, tonight, Toronto's going to come in. Toronto's coming in. A lot of confidence, a lot Definitely. of confidence, feeling great, nothing to lose. That's not a good team. Actually, every single one of these teams now has nothing to lose. Could be a problem for the Yankees. Miami's a playoff team. They play Miami the last game of the season. The Everybody's a playoff team. That doesn't mean jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for this episode. We will do some more uh, eye test versus nerd test next week. I have one on Aaron Hicks that I was um, suggested. Uh, he's bad. By, he's been bad. There's by, my uh, there's my eye test. He's been bad. He's been a bad baseball player. By Joe Munoz on um, on Twitter. So I'll get to that next time. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Did someone say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is finally pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of return to sports and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.